Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw, known as the Success Alchemist. You can find me at thesuccessalchemist.net and thewebalchemist.net and empoweredmanifestation.com and on Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist and Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw. Today is the 3rd of July 2021 and I want to wish you, first of all, a very happy 4th of July weekend. Hope you're having a good time and thank you for taking the time out to listen today. So the title of today's show is Border Visit, Fraud Latest and Who Shot Ashley Babbitt? So a quick word on Trump's visit to the border this week. And this is an article from Epoch Times. And this was published June 30th. Trump visits U.S.-Mexico border, claims Democrats are running a disinformation campaign. Former President Donald Trump, on June 30th, visited the U.S.-Mexico border for the first time since leaving office and accused Democrats of running a disinformation campaign about their border policies. Since leaving office in January, Trump has repeatedly criticised the Biden administration's policies and messaging, saying they have led to a surge in illegal crossings. But while visiting with Texas Governor Greg Abbott, the former commander-in-chief appeared to deploy a new narrative. They're getting killed by the border, so now they're saying, oh, we've got a problem, so let's blame the sheriffs. Let's blame the governors. Let's blame everybody else but them, Trump said, describing Democrats' messaging of late as a disinformation campaign. The former president's visit to the Texas side of the border comes as Republicans continue to criticize Democrats and President Joe Biden's administration on border security and the increase in border patrol apprehensions in recent months. According to the most recent data provided by Customs and Border Protection, more than 180,000 people were arrested after illegally crossing the border in May 2020. Since January, Biden has issued dozens of executive orders and memos that rescinded a number of Trump-era policies, while describing them as wasteful, ineffective and unhumanitarian. The president also sent back billions of dollars that were authorised for border wall construction to the Department of Defence. The real question is, do Democrat officials really want open borders or are they incompetent, Trump said during the event. Trump had made the construction of a border wall a key campaign promise in 2016. There's only two things. You're either incompetent or for some reason you have a screw loose and you want to have open borders. Several Democrat lawmakers who represent areas along the border panned Trump's visit on June 30th and took the opportunity to chide Abbott. Instead of prioritising Texans and making sure we grow our economy and get people back to work, Governor Abbott is creating a distracting media circus with a failed former president, Representative Philemon Vila, Democrat Texas, said in a statement. The narrative of a violent and insecure border region is blatantly false. The border is not a war zone and the wall Abbott and Trump are trying to get Texans to pay for is not only a waste of their hard-earned money, but also an un-American symbol of hatred. Last week, Vice President Kamala Harris visited the area for the first time to see a processing centre in El Paso, Texas, following weeks of criticism that she hadn't yet visited the border amid surging numbers of border crossers. They are without their parents. They were also full of hope. They were asking me questions. How do you become the first woman vice president? Harris said of children at one processing centre. But it also reminds me of the fact that this issue cannot be reduced to a political issue. We're talking about children. We're talking about families. We're talking about suffering. And our approach has to be thoughtful and effective. Abbott and Arizona Governor Doug Ducey, both Republicans, recently asked 48 other states to send additional law enforcement to deal with the surge along the border. So far, a handful of GOP-led states have responded to their request, with South Dakota being the most recent state to do so. In one of Trump's final trips as president in January, he visited the wall near the Mexican-Texas border, urging for the completion of the project. 
More than 450 miles of the wall were constructed during his administration, according to data released earlier this year by Customs and Border Protection. The Epoch Times has contacted the Department of Homeland Security, which oversees Border Patrol, for comment. And a comment in the comments, which I agree with, he is not the former president, he is still the president that was legally elected. People demand an audit in the state. Okay, so moving on to the next thing. I just, just before I do that, just a reminder that tonight uh, Trump is doing another rally in Sarasota. So you can watch that, I believe, on um, Newsmax and it's on Rumble. I just read this morning that um, Right Side Broadcast Network, which is also a, a great supporter of Trump, has just been um, blocked from uh, running any live streams today. Obviously, they were going to be running the live stream of the rally, and YouTube, in their usual censorship manner, have basically stopped them from doing that. So they're obviously afraid of whatever Trump is going to say at the rally tonight. People are hoping for some major announcement. We'll have to see about that. So, um, anyway, I shall be watching it later on, and uh, uh, there, are there are plenty of places for you to be able to watch it too. Okay, so let's move on to the election fraud. And I'm going to group this into the different states that are involved. I'm going to start with Arizona, because, of course, that audit is, you know, a long way through the process there's still things to be done but uh it is the kind of showcase audit that other states i think will follow and and do their own audit so let's start with um a gateway pundit article from the 28th of june dems must be terrified maricopa county auditor bob hughes shares how they are using high-tech forensic digital cameras and ocr to validate ballots any massive vote fraud in Maricopa County, Arizona, is going to be identified. The Democrats must be terrified. One of the auditors working for the Arizona Senate, Bob Hughes, discussed the audit and the reason why the Democrats are absolutely frightened of the Arizona audit and it being performed in other states. The other thing that I think is interesting is they keep saying they don't know what they are doing. They're idiots. These people are ridiculous. They have no idea what they are doing. They've never done this before. This is the first time in the history of the United States, number one, that it's ever been done. But more important, it's the first time it's ever been needed and it was done. I can tell you that I could go over all the process and you'd all understand. But when a ballot gets created, think about this. It's like your bill being paid from SRP. They go out and get your voter identification number and they find out what precinct you live in, what city, what county, where your school districts are. All that information has to be accessed to create the proper ballot exactly for you. Because you have to vote for the right candidates in a city mayoral election, council elections, JP elections, the legislative district, the congressional district. Think of those as maps that overlay the Maricopa County area and it creates all these little sections, and all these people get a very different ballot. So if somebody did what we were told they might have done, which is gone out and just duplicate, duplicate a bunch of ballots, or put the same ballot in many times, or any of these kinds of things, I knew there was a way to find that out. And so what we did is, we, the cameras, are not only cameras. They're digital cameras, digital cameras that are forensic, they're actually police forensic cameras. They're very, very high-speed, high-definition digital cameras. They make a scanned ballot. So we scan that ballot. We then use optical character recognition, OCR. We're looking at what's in place on that ballot, based on who that ballot is. How many should be? Can there be this many? What I can tell you is you now will have the most authentic count of every legal authentic ballot you could possibly have. And there's a video included which uh, is a, of Hughes' speech. The Democrats are absolutely in terror. 
And another piece of Arizona news from Gateway Pundit, exclusive. USB drives were suspiciously stolen, transferred and inserted into voting systems used in swing states in 2020 election. And this is this was published June 30th. In multiple swing states, flash drives, USBs used in the 2020 election process were reported either missing or suspiciously inserted into the voting systems used in the election. In Arizona, on November the 5th, the home was raided and USBs were obtained, along with hard drives and computers. What was an individual doing with these items only a couple of days after the election? And it says, agents raid home in Maricopa County in voter data theft investigation. This is the um, article that was put out when it happened. Confiscate eight hard drives, three computers and a bag of USB sticks. And then the article goes on to mention other states. Georgia, in the State Farm Arena in Fulton County, Georgia, we identified numerous activities where USBs were transferred suspiciously between election personnel. One was a strange pass between a mother and her daughter. Two elections workers made famous due to their suspicious activities during the election. And we know now that those people have been subpoenaed. Um, Haven't heard any, any more about that. Um, And then continuing with Georgia, another suspicious pass occurred with a guy we labelled the USB guy. And there's a link to an article, breaking exclusive USB guy was filmed cheering after inspecting bogus ballots under table in Georgia election day. And continuing with Georgia again, in Gwinnett County, an official admitted to taking data from the election management system plugging it into a laptop, then filtering it with Excel. This circumvented the rules that external software isn't allowed on election machines. However, rather than being upset with this activity, Georgia election COO, or whatever his title is, Gabe Sterling, went off on the media for reporting this. And it's again, it's got an article link there. Georgia election operative Gabriel Sterling explodes on Trump voters after Dominion employees caught on video downloading files on laptops. Pennsylvania. On October 1st, 2020, it was reported that an election laptop and memory sticks were stolen in Pennsylvania. Uh, Philadelphia's horrible record of Democrat voter fraud hits new low. Voting machine, laptop and memory sticks stolen. That's the article about it. Continuing, on November 12th, only a few days after the election, a report was released from the Trump team stating that outsiders with USBs and V-cards were allowed in Pennsylvania counting areas with no observers present. Again, the link to the article about that. In late November in Pennsylvania, a very credible witness described how he personally observed dozens of USB cards being uploaded to voting machines which resulted in 50,000 votes for Joe Biden in a short period of time. This may be the same individual who was referenced in the report above. Baggies of USBs, Pennsylvania witness gives explosive testimony. I personally observed USB cards being uploaded to voting machines. Now 47 USB cards are missing, nowhere to be found. That's the article. Wisconsin, we reported on a missing flash drive in Milwaukee at the same time the city recorded 120,000 votes, all for Joe Biden on the morning of November 4th. Again, the link to the article about that. Developing Milwaukee elections chief lost elections flash drive in morning hours of November 4th when Democrats miraculously found 120,000 votes for Joe Biden. In summary... One IT expert reached out to us a few days after the election and shared some information on the voting systems used in US elections. This IT expert located a previous audit report from an audit of the Dominion voting system in California. In the audit report, the state of California showed a high-level diagram of the Dominion system, which is likely similar to the setup in Pennsylvania and other locations. And then it's got the image of the high-level block diagram. This diagram showed that there are laptops or workstations on site that some of the workers can access 
after the ballot images are scanned in. Our expert stated that he kept thinking about the USB drives and immediately noticed this is where election data, i.e. forged stroke faked images, could be inserted or changed. When a number of USBs in a location go missing or are, or are lost, the proper response will be for the location or district where the USBs went missing to replace all USBs in the locations or districts with similar credentials as the missing USBs. There is no indication that this happened in the 2020 election. In addition, per a discussion with one top security expert, the protocol related to the transfer of USBs in Arizona and other states appears to have changed for this election. Rather than individuals from each location transporting the USB to the tabulation centres and signing off on their activities, which provides the proper chain of control, this year something different took place. Individuals from the state or from some election-related entity picked up the USBs at all locations and transported them to the location where the results were tabulated. The reason for this change was blamed on COVID, or rather, COVID was used to make this change. The whole scenario opened the door to manipulation of votes through the USBs before they were delivered to the location where they were to be counted. The safekeeping and security of USBs used in the 2020 election were very weak or even absent. There is evidence showing a pattern of USB abuse in swing states where Biden was eventually awarded the win. Now we have a report from Epoch Times again. This is Arizona auditors still waiting for missing items subpoenaed from Maricopa County, Senate leader. And this was July 2nd. The Arizona State Senate will need to request routers and passwords that are being withheld by Maricopa County election officials to complete the audit of the 2020 election results, said an audit spokesman, while State Senate leader Karen Fan said county ex executives still haven't delivered several missing items related to a court-ordered subpoena issued earlier this year. Randy Pullen, a spokesman and liaison for the effort, said Thursday that after speaking with state senators, they will determine the next steps to take. Some electronic data stored by Maricopa County needs to be evaluated by the audit team. We have none of that information provided to us, and it's something that the Senate will have to go back to the county and request those items, he told reporters as the audit team was moving out of the Phoenix Coliseum on Thursday. So again, it's very difficult to complete the audit without getting that information. What's at stake, Pullen explained, are a few minor things over software additions to Maricopa County systems. He didn't elaborate on the software. We got some additional information for the county, he added. Apparently, there was a difference on how many duplicate ballots there were per batch, so they gave us a new list and so we had to create software that took that data and compared it to our data to deal with the duplicate ballots. Republican Senate Majority Leader Karen Fan, in response to questions about the possibility of subpoenas being issued, told the Epoch Times that her office and auditors are still waiting for the Maricopa County supervisors to provide us with the missing items on the original subpoena as ordered by the court. The Arizona Senate has extended our contract with the state fairgrounds for two weeks at the Wesley Bolin building. Our vendor is finishing the aggregation process, which is double and triple checking the tallies of the hand counts, spreadsheet, tally sheets, image scanning, etc. She continued in an email. This is a critical step to ensure the tallies can be accurately verified, which will give us a path forward in completing the audit. Before the audit commenced in late April, there was a back-and-forth legal battle between the Senate and Maricopa County's executives. A judge ultimately ruled that the legislative body's subpoenas were valid and could proceed with the audit. Late last week, a spokesperson for the audit team confirmed that the paper ballot examination and counting phase of the audit is complete. More work is needed to be done off-site and Republicans have said the final report will be released late in August or September. 
Another liaison, Ken Bennett, a former Arizona Secretary of State, told NBC News that the count is finished, but according to him, the audit is just starting. Election reviewers, Bennett added, recently obtained documents that are crucial to the process. These documents are critical to understanding how many ballots were taken out of every, almost every batch and sent to duplication and therefore have to be accounted for in accounting for all of the ballots, he said Thursday, referring to the logs about duplicate ballots. Those records, Bennett added, were obtained through Audit USA, an outside group supporting the audit. Democrats and legacy news outlets have frequently characterised the audit as being politically motivated as well as being fraught with errors and security lapses. Fan and other Republicans have categorically denied the claims. And Maricopa County, meanwhile, declared that the election equipment that was reviewed by the auditors was compromised, announcing in a press release that the machines would be replaced. Fan described Maricopa County's letter as another attack on the audit and argued Maricopa cannot provide any evidence suggesting the machines were tampered with. Maricopa County has not yet responded to a request for comment about the possibility of new subpoenas. A spokesperson for the county told NBC that the senators not subpoenaed the logs about the duplicate ballots saying that it fulfilled a request to hand over the documents after an Audit USA request in mid-June. Now, <clears throat> comments on this are saying, well, there's already been a su- subpoenas issued for the routers and the passwords and everything else, and why aren't these people being held in contempt of court and being arrested? And, of course, the obvious question is, why are they so opposed and so obstructive of this audit if there's nothing to hide. You know, it's it's tantamount to a, an admission of guilt. So let's move on now. And this is the next one is about canvassing in the Arizona audit. And this is a Gateway Pundit article from July the 3rd, which is today, of course. Liz Harris and patriots in Arizona canvassing for the truth and the 2020 election are heroes. America owes them thanks and praise. We first heard of Liz Harris and the many patriots in Arizona in late December. This group of concerned citizens in Arizona after the 2020 election wanted to get to the truth. Liz Harris was in the lead as she introduced fellow citizens who went out and canvassed the state of Arizona to determine if people in the state received multiple ballots in the 2020 election. Right Side Broadcasting aired the event and it was the first glimpse we had of the efforts going on in Arizona to get to the truth. And it's uh, linking to another article, Press Conference at Arizona State Capitol, Citizen Investigation Uncovers Thousands of Illegal Votes in Arizona at 6pm. Livestream RSBN Video. And let me just go through to that article. Um, This was December the 30th. Press conference at Arizona State Capitol. Citizen Investigation Uncovers Thousands of Illegal Votes in Arizona at 6pm. On Wednesday night at 6pm Mountain Time Zone... We the People, a Citizens Alliance, will be exposing actual evidence of voter fraud in the state of Arizona and provide detailed instructions to join our mass recall effort against the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors who are willfully standing in the way of truth and transparency. Hundreds of Arizona volunteers have been on the ground knocking on doors and collecting declarations in a bipartisan march to find truth in Arizona. The results of this investigation should have all citizens of Arizona outraged. Director of Citizen Investigation Liz Harris. This is not a matter of family members sending in ballots. Some of these people still have the physical ballot on hand. How did these votes get counted? The Maricopa County Board of Supervisors have grossly failed to represent our rights through unconstitutional lockdown orders and mask mandates, but we stood by obediently, faithfully, and with hope that they, the county supervisors, had our best interest. After more than 10 months of contradictions and forced herd behaviour, it is apparent the elected in Maricopa County do not have our best interest. 
They are now subverting our right to a fair election. The county supervisors have made it clear they have no intention in preserving the sanctity of freedom through our right to a fair and open election. They have lied. They have stalled and they have employed deceptive political manoeuvring. We the people must act to preserve the integrity of our elections. We must take it upon ourselves to do what is right. So back to the original article, this same group were the ones to demand the Arizona Senate do something to get to the bottom of the 2020 election. They also demanded that the Senate perform a forensic review of the ballots in Arizona using the process shared by Jovan Pulitzer. Pulitzer had also come out of nowhere and shared his ideas and actions to forensically audit ballots. The Senate agreed to perform a forensic audit of all the ballots in Maricopa County and after months of abuse and pushback from the Democrats and the County Board of Supervisors, the audit was finally put in place. The Democrats were not done. They couldn't stop the audit, but they have tried everything they could to do so. As reported on Friday, the Democrats are now working on attacking the canvassers in Arizona and the audit team. These actions are unheard of. The Democrats want to build a case that the canvassers are harassing individuals as they perform their canvassing. It's likely the Democrats are inserting individuals to harass people themselves to support their case. This is how the Democrats work. And another article, Democrats are suspected of using fake canvassers that, who then harass innocent Arizonans to give audit a black eye. So let's go and have a look at that one. Okay, this was July 2nd. There are rumours Democrats are pretending to be canvassers working for the team of volunteers in Arizona who then intimidate and harass those being canvassed. The Democrats are doing all they can to stop and destroy the audit in Arizona. To date, they haven't been successful. No matter what they did or what the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors did, they just couldn't stop the audit from moving forward. It now looks like they may be trying to destroy the audit by dressing up canvassers and then harassing voters to build a story that those canvassing voters are being abusive. This is the narrative we warned about a couple of weeks ago from a sheriff's report in Yavapai County. Arizona Sheriff's Office issues odd public statement on rumours of canvassers asking residents how they voted in Prescott, Arizona. Um, I'll just take a quick look at this as well. This was June 14th. The Yavapai County Sheriff's Department issued an odd public service announcement last Friday. Yavapai County recorder Leslie M. Hoffman had received two complaints from citizens. Someone in Prescott, which is 100 miles north of Phoenix, was allegedly asking residents how they voted. Apparently, they represented themselves as volunteers for the recorder's office. It's not beneath the DOJ to use an incident like this against the Senate's current audit in Phoenix. And it shows the actual announcement from the county sheriff's office, June the 11th, 2021, people posing as employees of the Yavapai County Recorder's Office. The Yavapai County Recorder's Office has received calls from concerned citizens regarding individuals knocking on their doors, asking questions for a survey in our county. They are being asked if they voted and if they did, who they voted for. There have been instances where individuals identified themselves as volunteers for the Yavapai County Recorder's Office and asked who resides in the home. When asked for county ID, they could not provide it. These people do not work for or with the County Recorder's Office. These instances have been reported to the Yavapai County Sheriff's Office, who are concerned this type of activity may be an attempt to gain personal information for fraudulent purposes. Please be assured that the Recorder's Office will never send anyone to a residence asking survey questions, nor would they ask voters for personal information to include information about a candidate. Should you have any concerns or questions, da 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 da, da please contact. So, let's just go back again. 
The de Democrats are then using this to plant fake canvases to harass voters in the county. And there's another article embedded here. Deep State DOJ won't touch obvious 2020 election fraud, but instead appear to be creating a narrative to shut down the election audits. The Deep State gang in the corrupt DOJ and FBI appear to be conjuring up a new attack against the American people. These once-respected institutions totally ignored the pallets of evidence of voter fraud in the 2020 election across the nation. Now it appears they may be directing their resources onto individuals involved in election audits like the canvases in Arizona. This was from, let me see, June 14th, actually. We saw how the DOJ and FBI attacked President Trump during his entire presidency with the Mullah Russia lie. None of the villains from these institutions were ever brought to justice. Justice in the Justice Department was gone. Then we saw how these same gangs set up and attacked innocent Americans who on January 6th were invited into the US Capitol only to be arrested months later and put in solitary confinement away from family and friends in jail being held on misdemeanors. Now that courageous Americans are working on unwinding the piles of evidence surrounding the stolen election, the DOJ and FBI appear to finally want to get involved. These institutions won't look into the obvious election fraud soon to be uncovered. No, they will be putting their efforts into the actions of Americans, mostly volunteers, who are trying to get to the truth. And it goes on to um, report again on that uh, Yavapai County um, Sheriff's Department statement. So let me go back to the original again. Okay. Today, Conservative Treehouse discussed this issue with Liz Harris, who is again warning about these bad actors. Miss Harris discusses in broad terms how the canvassing is being done and how commercials are being deployed throughout the region by Protect Democracy, the leftist activist group. It appears the DNC affiliate is running ads in an effort to get canvas voters to provide them voter intimidation ammunition for the DOJ to use against the audit workers. But wait, it gets worse and very familiar who, for those who walk the deep weeds. Miss Harris describes a very familiar tactic previously used by the SEIU operatives, purple orcs we call them, where they impersonate audit canvassers and or election workers and actually do intentionally intimidate the voter. Very aggressive. The canvas voter then thinks they have been intimidated by an audit worker and reports that conduct to the DOJ, who in turn used that evidence against the audit team to file lawsuits. We saw this exact type of operation carried out by the SEIU, in Pennsylvania circa 2007 as the DNC wanted to keep the RNC under a consent decree. Long story. This is also how Bob Creamer operated when he was planting fake protesters in Trump rallies on behalf of Hillary Clinton. As Sundance reminds us, the Democrats have done this before. Confirmed, WikiLeaks proves James O'Keefe right. Dem leaders and Clinton camp were organising anti-Trump protests. That's another article. I won't follow that link. Update. Here is a radio ad where a person with a nice voice asks people in Arizona to call a number and claim they were harassed by canvassers if they feel uncomfortable by people asking them questions about the 2020 election. Thank you, Arizona. Last year, you exercised your right to vote by casting your ballot in the 2020 election. A record number of Arizonans turned out. Arizona elections officials say voters cast a record number of ballots. The number of early voters is up sharply. A record here in Maricopa County. A record turnout this election. The right to pick our leaders with a secret ballot is essential to our democracy. No matter who you are, you have the right to vote without undue burden or intimidation and to make your voice heard through our elections process. Voters have rights, and there are resources to support you. If you or someone you know feel uncomfortable by anyone asking questions about your ballot, how you voted, or anything else about your participation, please call 602-884-8184. 
This voter hotline is here for you to answer any of your questions about your rights. There's no question too big or small. Call 602-884-8184 to have your questions answered. Paid for by Arizona Advocacy Network. And the article goes on. Here is a document sent to the Arizona Senate from the corrupt DOJ noting that it is not appropriate to intimidate voters. Via email, this is May 5th, from the U.S. Department of Justice Civil Rights Division to the Honorable Karen Fan, President, Arizona State Senate. Dear Senator Fan, I write regarding issues arising under federal statutes enforced by the United States Department of Justice that are related to the audit required by the Arizona State Senate for the November 2020 federal general election in Maricopa County. News reports indicate that the Senate subpoenaed ballots, election systems and election materials from Maricopa County and required that they be turned over to private contractors led by a firm known as Cyber Ninjas. The department has reviewed available information including news reports and complaints regarding the procedures being used for this audit. The information of which we are aware raises concerns regarding at least two issues of potential non-compliance with federal laws enforced by the department. The first issue relates to a number of reports suggesting that the ballots, election systems and election materials that are the subject of the Maricopa County audit are no longer under the ultimate control of state and local elections officials and not being adequately safeguarded by contractors at an insecure facility and are at risk of being lost, stolen, altered, compromised or destroyed. Federal law creates a duty to safeguard and preserve federal election rights. And I'll just move on a little bit. This statute requires state and local election officials to maintain for 22 months after the conduct of an election for federal office all records and papers relating to any act requisite to voting in such election. The purpose of these federal preservation and retention requirements for election records is to secure a more effective protection of the right to vote. And then it cites another set of um, cases and so on. The detection, investigation and proof of election crimes and in many instances voting voting rights act violations often depend on documentation generated during the voter registration voting, tabulation and election certification processes. If the state designates some other custodian for such election records, then the Civil Rights Act provides that the duty to retain and preserve any record or paper so deposited shall devolve upon such custodian. The department interprets the Act to require that covered election documentation be retained either physically by election officials themselves or under the direct administrative supervision. Um, I'm going to move on to the next one. The second issue relates to the Cyber Ninja's statement of work for this audit, among other things. The statement of work indicates that the contractor has been working with a number of individuals to identify voter registrations that did not make sense and then knock on doors to confirm if valid voters actually lived at the stated address. Statement of work at 2.1, paragraph 2.1. The statement of work also indicates that the the contractor will select a minimum of three precincts in Maricopa County with a high number of anomalies in order to conduct an audit of voting history and that voters may be contacted through a combination of phone calls and physical canvassing to collect information of whether the individual voted in the election in November 2020. Statement of work at five point, paragraph 5.1, this description of the proposed work of the audit raises concerns regarding potential intimidation of voters. And just dropping down, past experience with similar investigative efforts around the country has raised concerns that they can be directed at minority voters. So they're pulling the race card again, which potentially can implicate the anti-intimidation prohibitions of the Voting Rights Act. Such investigative efforts can have a significant intimidating effect on qualified voters that can deter them from seeking to vote in the future. We would appreciate your response to the concerns described herein, including advising us 
of the steps that the Arizona Senate will take to ensure that violations of federal law do not occur. And that was from Pamela S. Carlin, Principal Deputy Assistant Attorney General, Civil Rights Division. So it goes on to say, Arizona Senate is smart and the Patriots helping canvas are not intimidating voters. The DOJ is intimidating the Senate audits, auditors and their volunteers, though. That's for sure. And um, I can't find the actual uh, article that I saw this in, but basically what Liz Harris was saying is that they only ask three questions. They don't ask who the person voted for. They just ask if they voted, how they voted. And I think the other one is if there were multiple ballots sent to them. So this idea that, you know, the these um, impersonators are asking the wrong questions in any case, which kind of... Uh, puts the nail in the coffin over this um, claim of intimidation. Now, another interesting piece of news, and this is not to do with the uh, presidential election, it's to do with New York's mayoral primary vote count. And it's voided after 135,000 ballot discrepancy. This was reported June 30th by Epoch Times. Now, I'm focused on the presidential election, so I'm not going to go into this um, article. But interestingly, it's brought other stuff out of the woodwork. The key thing that happened with the um, this election in New York was that 135,000 test ballots were accidentally included in a preliminary tally of votes cast in the city's mayoral primary election, leading to the count being voided and drawing the ire of candidates. Well, there's uh, been some posts on Telegram that I'm going to refer to, and it relates to a video on Rumble Susan Voyle says Georgia's Fulton County also illegally counted test ballots. So now we're into Georgia. The 20-year election worker recently said that she and another witness believe that test ballots were used in the Fulton County vote tally. Her story perfectly corroborated what I had seen, that these were ballots that she had printed as test ballots. When I found out that Bridget had printed what was supposed to be test ballots... That's what she thought they were, test ballots, but somehow those test ballots were interspersed within other ballots. With New York's elections board announcing that they accidentally included 135,000 test ballots in their election yesterday, it's important to remember witnesses in Fulton County have already stated that their ballots on different colour paper with no creases and perfectly filled in bubbles were also test ballots. And this was reported by Kanakoa the Great on Telegram. And then this post continues, Fulton County worker Bridget Thorne says thousands of test ballots were printed and left unsecured. Bridget wrote in an affidavit that test ballots were printed on the same heavy cardstock as used for actual ballots, making them in every way indistinguishable from live Georgia ballots and that stacks of test ballots were unsecured all over the facility. She says that she personally spoiled a couple thousand test ballots, but based on her knowledge and belief, there were thousands of test ballots that were not spoiled. It was announced yesterday that New York City officials accidentally counted 135,000 test ballots in their Democratic primary. And again, it links back to that same rumble video and also to the affidavit that was mentioned. The other thing that's happening in Georgia, and this is to do with voting machines. It was proven in a Georgia court that the voting machines were tethering to the Internet through Internet hotspots during the November election. Accordingly, the judge ordered precinct buildings to be stripped of Internet connectivity for the runoff elections. Of course, we proved they got connected anyway and recorded the activity. See absolute interference. There are multiple poll workers in multiple states who have signed affidavits claiming that they personally witnessed the machines connecting to the Internet. We have myriad recordings of Internet and other activity and connectivity 
before, during and after the November election and subsequent elections. We've taken the covers off the machines, taken pictures of the modem, Bluetooth and cell phone cards in them. These were entered into evidence in the Antrim, Michigan case. Anyone who denies that the machines are connected during the elections either has their head in the sand or is lying to you. Federal law prohibits such access during the election, so the November election was not only fraudulent, but myriad federal and state laws were broken, far beyond what is needed to invalidate the entire thing and to vitiate the subsequent consequences. And then more on the Georgia cesspool, it is the duty of the Georgia legislature to decertify the election results. Patrick Leahy follows up with the John Solomon War Room interview earlier today. He points out that, one, the drop boxes used in the Georgia 2020 election were statutorily unauthorised. Two, eight months after the election, chain of custody documents for 316,000 absentee ballots are missing. This number doesn't even factor in the 168,000 Cobb County ballots that Candice Taylor mentioned in her report yesterday. On Wednesday, Raffensperger told John Solomon that he was going to put Fulton County in receivership because their elections were run so poorly. Yet on 11.17, without looking at a single chain of custody document, Ratman certified the election. Leahy, it is the duty, in my view, of the Georgia State Legislature to convene and decertify the election results there. Violation of election code rules and insufficient chain of custody documentation across the state should trigger decertification. And regarding these missing ballots, uh, they're actually missing chain of custody, and this is um, Gateway Pundit again, July 2nd. I'm not going to read the whole report, I'm just going to pick out the key points. Dr. Candice Taylor released a report yesterday identifying over 168,000 ballots in Cobb County, Georgia, missing required chain of custody documentation. We've been reporting for months on the hundreds of thousands of ballots missing chain of custody, custody documentation in Georgia. Um, and it links to a previous article. And a new report out of Cobb County finds that the elections director had data drives with election data taken to a separate location and printed tabulation tapes from a different machine. This reportedly violated the standard procedure and chain of custody. In a press release from Dr. Candice Taylor yesterday, Taylor, a candidate for governor, claims that there is sufficient evidence of process violations and malfeasance that would be adequate to place in doubt the results of the presidential election. And it goes on to quote the whole of that uh, press release. But I'm going to move on to my next topic, having covered... Oh, there's just one other thing. Um, this is talking about Michigan. And this is from 100percentfedup.com. Breaking. Michigan Representative Dare Rendon, Republican. I am in receipt of evidence reflecting systemic election fraud in Michigan that occurred in the November 2020 election. Unlike most of her fellow Republican and Democrat lawmakers in the Michigan legislature, Rendon has chosen not to cherry-pick evidence of voter fraud in Michigan, but instead to look at all of the evidence presented to the lawmakers in an objective and open-minded manner. Rendon also refuses to ignore the will of Michigan citizens she represents, who are calling for a full and conclusive investigation into the November 2020 election. Yesterday, in a phone conversation, Representative Rendon told 100% fed up that she's very disappointed in the Michigan Senate Oversight Committee's report on the November 2020 election in Michigan. Last week, the Michigan Senate Oversight Committee Chair Ed McBroom and Michigan Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky, who have both admitted they would consider a forensic audit in their state if Arizona finds meaningful evidence of voter fraud in their forensic audit, released a report stating that they could find no evidence of widespread or systemic fraud in Michigan's November election. Why would these two Michigan Republican senators say they'd consider a forensic audit 
if they already claim they found no evidence of widespread or systematic voter fraud in the election. Why would Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky say he's been talking to the Arizona officials and will consider a forensic audit after telling the media last week, I believe what we've done in our oversight process is equal to or more more robust than what they've been doing. The um, article then goes on to reference the Michigan Senate report, which I'm not going to read through because um, time is getting short. Um, I'm jumping down to a Republican, sorry, Representative Dare Rendon, who is Republican, sent a letter addressed to the citizens of the United States of America. And she says in her letter, I've read and considered the June 23rd, 2021 report titled Report on the November 2020 election in Michigan from the Michigan Senate Oversight Committee. The Michigan Senate Oversight Committee concluded their investigation without examining appropriate evidence, expert reports and requesting testimony from qualified experts. The report concludes that there was no widespread or systemic fraud in Michigan's prosecution of the 2020 election. And yet the Oversight Committee chair stated in his executive summary that this investigation should not be considered exhaustive and that every possible investigative avenue was not undertaken. I am in receipt of evidence reflecting systemic election fraud in Michigan that occurred in the November 2020 election. Many Michigan voters believe that the Michigan Senate Oversight Committee conclusion was formed without a proper investigation, and so I encourage attorneys in Michigan and beyond to pursue legal avenues that will reveal truth and transparency to the citizens of the United States. The article concludes by saying it's refreshing to see a lawmaker like Rendon, who actually took the time to evaluate evidence of voter fraud by experts and is willing to stand up to her fellow lawmakers who would rather dismiss the evidence in front of them and wait for another state to prove election fraud before they agree to act. Now on to the last topic I mentioned in the title of the show, Trump releases cryptic statement on Ashley Babbitt. This report is by welovetrump.com. It was released on the 1st of July. The irregularities surrounding the January 6th insurrection continue to pile up. Now President Trump is just weighing in, issuing a cryptic statement about Ashley Babbitt. Keep in mind... It's been six months since January 6th. Not once in those six months has President Trump mentioned or referenced Ashley Babbitt. Now Trump not only releases an official press release about her, he makes his press release different from every other one he's published before. Take a look. And this is a tweet from Bernard B. Kerrick. President Trump asks who shot Ashley Babbitt. Every American should know who shot Ashley Babbitt. An unarmed young woman was shot at point-blank range and killed for trespassing. Any cop in this country, they did that anywhere else, would already be in prison. And this is a Save America statement, President Donald J. Trump, July 1st, 2021. Who shot Ashley Babbitt? And it's also repeated in a tweet by Jack Posobiec. And... Also, that links to an article by postmillennial.com. The thing that occurred to me, and Trump uses his words carefully, is he said who shot Ashley Babbitt, not who killed Ashley Babbitt. And going back to when this originally happened, you know, there were lo- there was lots of um, speculation having analyze the video of this shooting that it could have been uh, a false flag or at least a faked death a faked shooting because I looked at it and there there were things that were not quite right about it but um, you know it's interesting that they've withheld the name of the person who was responsible for this shooting And there is actually a report out now that potentially it was a secret part of the of Vice President Pence's secret service detail. And this 
article goes on to say, uh, there are several repetitions of the uh, tweets that were put out about this, but he, he goes on to say, have you ever noticed that President Trump never asks a question unless he already knows the answer? Trump is a shrewd businessman. He would never question something without knowing something about the outcome. Remember, while the media and the Democrat Party called January 6th an insurrection, the only person who died of violence was Ashley Babbitt, a Trump supporter. Getting to the bottom of January 6th is critical to expose the deep state. The Daily Caller confirms Trump's cryptic statement. Former President Donald Trump released a short statement Thursday regarding the shooter of Ashley Babbitt. Babbitt, a 14-year U.S. Air Force veteran, was fatally shot in the left shoulder. That, to me, is odd as well. Um, how was a shot in the shoulder fatal? I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But anyway, that seemed a bit strange to me because I, when I saw it, it was when it originally happened, it was said that she was shot in the neck. So, different story there as well. <clears throat> so, carrying on, at the January 6th Capitol riot, a law enforcement official claimed that a US Capitol police officer shot her, NPR reported in January. Who shot Ashley Babbitt, the former president's statement wrote. The US Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia's Police Corruption and Civil Rights Section in the Civil Rights Division conducted an investigation into the officer-related shooting of Babbitt, according to NPR. The Department of Justice announced April 14th that there was not sufficient evidence to bring forth criminal charges against the unidentified officer that shot Babbitt. Babbitt's husband, Aaron, filed a request in order to obtain information regarding his wife's death, including the name of the officer that shot her. Newly released information alleges that a U.S. Secret Service member for former Vice President Mike Pence shot Babbitt. Sources within and close to the intelligence community told Coburn of The Spectator. However, footage showed that Pence and Republican Utah Senator Mitt Romney had escaped the Senate chamber moments before the rioters reached the floor, Fox 5 reported. This press release is also cryptic because of how short it is. Every other press release or statement from President Trump has always been a few paragraphs or even a few pages. This statement is one simple sentence. President Trump must have some more insight on what happened. And it goes on to say, if, if an unarmed black man was killed by a police officer, don't you think we would know that officer's name? Of course we would. It would be all over the news. Yet an, off, an officer shoots an unarmed white woman and no one blinks an eye. To make matters worse, she was a true patriot because she served our country in the military. Just one last thing I want to quickly mention. I didn't put it in the title because I wasn't sure if I'd have time for it. This is WeLoveTrump.com. Clinton nightmare. Judge orders Ghislaine Maxwell to turn over Clinton evidence. So this is more coming out about um, Ghislaine Maxwell. And it's related to the Virginia Gouffray uh, court case that was settled. And Maxwell has been trying to conceal this information, claiming that it would affect her trial. Uh, it says another treasure trove of never-before-seen files from Ghislaine Maxwell will be released mid-July. A federal judge has ordered the Epstein socialite to turn over new evidence. This means that Maxwell cannot suppress information or evidence from a grand jury subpoena. And guess what's included in this evidence? She must turn over any documents that include funding from the Clinton Global Initiative and Clinton Foundation. Once this evidence is turned over, the paper trail back to the Clintons will be concrete and undeniable. While Democrats tried to smear and slander President Trump, they never found any evidence. All they had was anonymous sources, but were about to have concrete evidence that Bill Clinton and perhaps even Hillary Clinton were associated with Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. And the article is quite long. It also includes um, an extract from the Daily Mail report. There's just one other thing I want to mention. It says, 
the judge also ruled that documents relating to a request from Gouffray for email accounts that Maxwell allegedly kept secret from the court should also be public. They could give an insight into powerful men who Maxwell knew, such and Prince Andrew of the British royal family. So, says the documents are part of a tranche of material gradually being released by Judge Presker from the defamation case Gouffray filed against Maxwell in 2016 for calling her a liar. Okay, so I just wanted to slip that one in at the end. Um, more and more is being revealed, as ever. Hold the line, patriots. You know, we uh, we need to keep the faith about all of this coming out and, and Trump being reinstated and justice being done. So that's all I have time for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll join me for another so Cosmic Creating show next week. Uh, just a reminder, find me at the successalchemist.net, thewebalchemist.net and Empowered Manifestation. And thank you to Nancy for producing. And um, just a reminder, if you're interested, to watch the rally tonight, Trump rally in Sarasota. And stay well, be safe, and bye for now. You have been listening to the Cosmic Creating Radio Show with Jan Shaw, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Live long and prosper. 